Hello and welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. Harvest Church is based in sunny Durban, South Africa. We are a family of believers who are passionate about Jesus. We really hope this message inspires you today. Morning, everyone. So as something happened on Friday night that I don't recommend, um, I'd been preparing through the week and had come up with an awesome message to preach on the Sunday, and I got out of the shower getting ready for bed on Friday night uh, with only Saturday to come and then this morning, and um, the Lord, I felt the Lord say to me, listen, you're a businessman, tell your story, simple as that. So I shelved the message, the only good news about that is I have a message sitting there on the shelf for the future, and uh, you guys have to put up with my story this morning. Um, My story, quite simply, is one of a man growing up and surrounded by the goodness of God. And uh, that's really what I want to talk about this morning. I grew up in a Catholic family. Any of you grow up in Catholic families? Raise your hands. We've got a few Catholics here. And uh, church on Sundays, uh, you will know that the service is pretty set. You pray the same uh, order of service each week. There's a first reading, a second reading from the Scriptures, and then the Gospel. And, um, and I think the Catholic Church gave me a grounding in the Word, which was good because you heard the Word every week. I didn't feel I was connected to God, if I was honest, if I'm honest, but it gave me a solid grounding. And um, grew up, went through school, and then went off to the army. I went to the army at 17, as one did in those days. Rich, I think you also went to the army, didn't you? We had the same vintage. And um, at 17, off to the army. I think if uh, it was demanded that my kids, my uh, special boys, had to go to the army at 17 today, I don't think I'd let them go. It's just too young to be able to go off. But... um, My mom said to me before I left, she said, boy, I'm going to pray Psalm 91 over you every day. And she said, I want you to read the same. I brought this in this morning. This is a good news, New Testament and Psalms, standard issue in the army. And the pages that are dirty and uh, have been read the most are Psalm 91. And it's a great psalm. Whoever goes to the Lord for safety... Whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty can say to him, You are my defender and protector. You are my God, in you I trust. He will keep you safe from all hidden dangers and from all deadly diseases. He will cover you with his wings. You will be safe in his care. His faithfulness will protect and defend you. You need not fear any dangers at night or sudden attacks during the day or the plagues that strike in the dark or the evils that kill in daylight. A thousand may fall dead beside you, ten thousand all around you, but you will not be harmed. You will look and see how the wicked are punished. You have made the Lord your defender, the most high your protector, and so no disaster will strike you. No violence will come near your home. I'm going to stop there as it goes on, but what a great prayer to pray. And uh, I think Psalm 91 protected me through a rather hectic stage in my life and was a solid foundation on which to stand. 
I think it's safe to say that my church attendance kind of fell away in my university years, post the army. Um, I could easily have fallen away in those years, but I think that word that is planted in you in your upbringing through the Catholic Church had just given me a foundation and a word which uh, was deeply embedded in me. I struggled in the area of women. I struggled to find the right girl, dated many girls, and eventually resigned myself. I remember praying to God and saying, look, Lord, you need to find the right person for me. And um, I remember praying it specifically. And uh, in uh, November 1999, I started my first full-time job. And in March of 1990, not a long time thereafter, uh, my life was turned upside down. This uh, bubbly, energetic, full-of-life girl walked into an interview uh, in the business where I was working. She was looking for part-time work at a, at a consumer show during the varsity holidays, and uh, my life was turned upside down. Carol walked into the room. I still remember what you wore at the time. So boy meets girl, meets a stunning girl who sets his heart pounding. There was something different about her, and I couldn't put my finger on it. But... Um, I wrote here, she drags me off to church. Rather, it was boy follows beautiful girl to church is the more accurate story. And I, third on the, I think on the third occasion, there was the oddest fellow preaching. He had a, a croaky voice. At the time on the radio, there was an advertisement for a product called Metanox. Um, and the, the ad went something like this, where the guy said, thank you, Metanox, for solving my skin problem. Now can you do something about my voice? And that was the pay line in the ad. And the guy who preached had that voice. It was frightening. And uh, so a person that I would not be drawn to and a voice that I would not be drawn to was the day I put my hand up in front of literally thousands of people and said, Lord, here I am. And his question was a good one. He said, do you know God? And he said, not do you know of God, do you know God? And I knew of God. I knew all the scripture, but I didn't know God. And I had to be honest and put my hand up and gave my life to the Lord. I remember Sonny, Carol, and I were at church that night. Mill was ill at home. And I remember going back to their home and Sonny told Mill what had just happened and she burst into tears. And I thought, what's all the fuss about? And, uh, and then realized that I'd made the biggest decision that one ever makes in your life. It's one with eternal consequences. So I've written a few learnings as I go through this journey. Learning number one is that word that is implanted in you along the way eventually is watered with extra words added by new people along the, day, well, along the way, and eventually that seed is germinated and it sprouts forth. And for you, as you speak to people in your life, every time you put a word into someone is just feeding more life into those people, and then one day that seed will germinate. I remember talking to my older brother Graham about the Lord, and uh, he just never seemed to get it and uh, pushed back. And then one day someone arrived at his gate and said, hey, uh, his name was also Graham, and he said, we for me a church and a school hall around the corner. Why don't you come? A few weeks later, Graham gave his life to the Lord. And I thought, well, Graham, I've been telling you the same thing for years. But we are all part of a message which finally causes that seed to germinate, and it's a great foundation. Carol and I got married on the 18th of July, 1992. 
So this July, the 18th, will be 30 years married to a lovely lady. We threw ourselves into our careers. We were Joburg high-impact couple. Um, double income, no kids. Dinks, isn't that what they called the, the yuppies in those days? And building our careers. And um, Carol's a chartered accountant working on some of the biggest audits in this country. In fact, the biggest audit. She's really good at what she did. And I was a manager director in a growing trading company in Johannesburg. Carol loves the Lord with all her heart, and she has a gift in that she hears from God. I love standing up here praying at the end of service for people when we're called upon to do so, because she'll get a word in most instances that is specific for that person. She's brought God's word into our marriage, to our kids' lives, into our business, into our community, and she can rollerblade down the beachfront and pass an absolute stranger and say, hey, God's given me a picture for you. And uh, some of you might know that aspect of Carol. So learning number two is an important learning. Be very specific and intentional about who you choose to be your wife or your husband one day. It's not something, it's not a placeholder, it's not a gap filler, it's not, let's just choose someone. It's been really intentional because I had already made the most important decision, but this in your life is the second most important decision you'll ever make. Jono was born in 99. Mikey was born in 01. And um, we moved to December in December 2001. Moved to Durban in December 2001. Um, just after 9-11. I remember sitting watching on TV. All of us knew where we were at the time when those airplanes flew into the World Trade Center. We were packing up our home to move to Durban. Employed in a corporate, as a corporate director for two and a half years. My role was comfortable, the earnings were good, life was comfortable, but I was totally bored. And uh, I remember looking, sitting in a room, sitting in a meaningless meeting where we met every month, never made decisions, never came to conclusions, and I looked out the window and just thought, my time is just ticking away. Um, time, by the way, is an important concept. Time is really important. We think money is important, but we work every month, and at the end of the month, you get a paycheck. You can go out to work, and you can earn more money and earn it next week or next month. But the day you, the day to day that you waste is a day you will never get back. The minute, the hour, the day, the month that you waste, you will never get back. I believe time is probably the most precious commodity we sit with at the moment, you never get it back. So it's really important to use our time wisely. I'm not preaching as someone who's got this right. I do procrastinate at times. I like to watch TV when I should be up doing other things. But we do value time. And as a couple and as our family, uh, we invest in making memories as a family and as a couple. Uh, having fun is important and also adventure. And that's what we try and fill our time with. And for me, business should be fun, and business should be an adventure. I think if you are someone, and when I say business, I'm not just saying from a business owner perspective, people who work, if you wake up on a Monday morning and you dread going to work, you really need to examine 
your life and what you are doing because I believe the right spot for you is to be passionate about what you do, uh, have adventure in what you do, and have fun in what you do. And um, it's a dangerous thing to put out there, but life is not meant to be a wake-up on a Monday morning and dread what you're going to do. It's uh, not time well spent, and you won't get that time back. I always dreamt of opening my own business. Um, I remember sitting on our patio um, with Ian and Roseanne Goulet and um, saying to them, look, thinking of leaving a corporate career and starting a business from scratch. And Ian, who know, knew me to a certain extent, looked at me through these glasses and I remember him saying to me, Patrick, uh, some people are designed to be uh, professional executives and managers in businesses and others are designed to be entrepreneurs and to blaze their own trail. And he said, in your case, I think you are the latter. And he said, go for it, which was a dangerous thing to say. It took big ghoulies to say something like that and say, this is what I think you should do. But that's what he did. And uh, I believe in you. I think you should do it. And um, really valued uh, the people around us at that time, the people who could pray with us, who stood with us and uh, were part of the journey. So learning number three is find a church that you can call family with people around you where you are connected in, where you can tell your story, they can pray with you and establish you and walk with you in your dream in terms of what you want to do. It's a place where you can pray, where iron sharpens iron, a place where you can be fed and grow. And uh, I think guidance from Ian and others in those years was invaluable and God was right in the midst of it. Back to learning number two, choose your wife well. Because when you start a business, I had a wife who was prepared to give up everything we had, a home that was paid for, and put it up um, as security to start a business from scratch. Not many people are able to do this. I had chosen well. Did I mention learning lesson number two? Robin, a brother-in-law who was earlier in the service, it's a gifted chartered accountant, and um, Robin is my brother-in-law. I'm not sure if that's the right term. Robin and I married sisters. Marilyn and Carol are sisters. Um, I think Carol's brother is my brother-in-law. I'm not sure what Rob is, but someone can help me on that one day. But we started chatting about being partners in a business, and we were speaking with someone who had developed an incredible product that we would launch. Christian person. Things progressed, and then out of the blue, the concept was taken away from us. By that stage, I'd already resigned from my role, and I remember clearly speaking to Robin. He was in a boardroom up in Johannesburg. We were talking quietly to each other, and I said to him, Rob, I've already resigned. I'm going to do this thing, but you're still in your role. And, um, and we said, you know what? Let's sleep on it, and we'll chat tomorrow morning. We woke up the next morning, Carol woke up and she said, you know what I got last night, Joshua 1. I then spoke to Rob and he said, listen, Patrick, I'm there like a bear, was, were his words. And he said, you know what I got last night, Joshua 1. And God was kind to speak to both of us on the same morning. Joshua 1 is really about a scripture where the Israelites had wandered around for 40 years in the desert and then crossed the Jordan into the promised land. 
The promised land was covered with giants with many battles to occupy the land. But it reads about, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you for the third time? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Mentioned be strong and courageous three times. Opening a business, people come up to me and say, you are so lucky. They use this word lucky. Lucky to have your own business. And I feel like slapping them across the ear so hard that their ears ring. Because having an own business is not moonlight and roses. It's, there are giants around every corner. There are issues that you need to encounter in this word. Being strong and courageous three times. And the second one, be strong and very courageous, was a warning of what we were venturing into. Learning number four. When it comes to ventures, ownership, or shareholding in business, choose good business partners. Uh, Robin, early on, later Clive Hal, and Stevie, you are sitting in the back in the corner. Steve Carey, who manages a large part of the business today, are honorable men, and we all have one thing in common. We are equally yoked. Uh, we all serve the same God, and we all serve on exactly the same foundation. I love Psalm 40. I love Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy clay, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Each one of us, been through the same experience, lifted out of the miry clay, the mud and the mire, set our feet on the rock, a solid place to stand. When the winds and the waves and the challenges come in business, we were all grounded on the exact same rock. And I think it's a vital place in terms of the people you work with. It doesn't mean that only Christians work in our business. We've got all manner of people in our business. But in terms of shareholding and ownership, I believe that's an important thing to strive for, that you are equally yoked. You might recognize that scripture, Psalm 40, is, uh, is a psalm we often sing. Jesus, lover of my soul, Jesus, I will never let you go. 
You've taken me from the miry clay, set my feet upon the rock, and now I know. I'll put you out of your misery right now and stop right there. In fact, I went under recently for the first time in my life uh, in an operation, and uh, I was only freaked out about one thing. I'm going to go to sleep. Will I wake up on the other side? Will I see Carol? Will I see the boys? And if I don't, will I be in heaven? And I sang that song as the anesthetic was administered, and I'm grateful to say I did wake up and see everyone. Are you still there? Are you with me? In the year we started the business, I'd previously been involved in this trading company, and they had just listed on the stock exchange. And here we were, two guys sitting in a corner study in my home at Startup. One company listed on the stock exchange with hundreds of millions of rand in capital versus these two guys sitting in a room. It was a modern-day David and Goliath story. In fact, I would venture to say that the gap between David and Goliath in that story was actually bigger in our case, the gap between the size of this business that would be our prime competitor and ourselves. And um, so we took seven months to plan the business. And in this time, while we were planning the business and building systems and so on, Kerry Southey, who was a prophetic lady, came to this church. Kerry came here periodically, very special lady, and in the meeting, she didn't know Carol or I, she singled us out in the meeting and prophesied about who we were and the business we were going to build. And she said, I see these blue berets. I see blue berets spread all over the countryside. And at that stage, we had done no work on our corporate identity. It was months later that we had briefed an ad agency. We'd come up with a name for the business and an ad agency at the time had come up with our logo and the corporate color for our business, which was cyan blue. It's one of the primary printing colors is cyan, and uh, our business had the color blue. And only years later, when I listened to that prophecy again on a tape, did I realize, oh my word, God knew while the business was being formed exactly what we looked like. It's like that scripture, I knew you in your mother's womb while you were being formed, the same applied to a business. And so, learning five is how kind is God that he would give us the comfort and the confirmation, pictures along the way. Hey, I knew your business while it was being formed. When times are tough and you have absolutely everything invested in the venture, you really do learn how to pray. And pray we did. Everything was on the line. And uh, as I said earlier, when you cross into the promised lands, there are many giants. And initially, we got freaked out about the giants and the issues that we had to face. And then when giants came up, we just recognized them and said, oh, it's another giant. God had got us through the previous giants, and it builds your faith to get through the next giant that comes along. Oh, just another giant. I think of uh, much hardship and many miracles along the way. We we were reliant at the time on advertising time. We were advertising our products on television at that stage. And our competitors were clever. They bought up all the space. And we couldn't get airtime to broadcast our products. Clever strategy that a big player would do to block you out. And um, 
we prayed on a Monday morning, and we approached the biggest airtime player in the country, and the very next day, they opened up three minutes of advertising time for us every day of the week. It has never been done before, and it has never been done since. But one way later, after, one day later, after praying a specific prayer, suddenly advertising time uh, was opened up and allowed us to trade. A great answer to prayer. We had hard times finding good staff. We would pay our heart and soul into training people, recruiting them, getting passion into them, put them into the marketplace only to have competitors come along and say, hey, you're good at what you do. Come and work for us. Pay you 50% more than you're currently earning. That's how a big player behaves in the marketplace. Some people stayed with us. Maybe they liked the culture or the vision of where we were going. Maybe God had said to them, stick around with these guys. But we've got many brilliant people in our business today who were part of the journey back then and had fought in the trenches and stood with us to build the company. And we're forever grateful to those people who stuck around uh, for the journey. Our competitors, there's one story I wanted to tell. It's coming a little later. Yeah, let me keep going. No, that's later. Our competitors had multiple products, much space, and they were spread around the country. They had more capital. After a couple of years, we moved out of our startup offices, and we moved a short distance away into bigger offices. And I remember Ian Goulet, Charles Patterson, who was the elder along with Ian at the time, Andy Willington, and George, arrived unannounced at our offices. I think we were setting up, and they walked in, and they must have thought, what is going on here? There was a handful of us in bigger offices. We knew we had to grow, and by faith we had gone for big offices, but there was a lot of empty space. And yet Ian came in, and he prayed right there in our office, and he said, Lord, I pray your favor upon this business. I pray that the products of this company will be found in every home across South Africa. And that was his prayer and his prophecy at the time. A guy called Fred arrived in our reception one morning. And uh, our reception receptionist greeted him, and he said, listen, I want to meet the bosses or the owners of this company. I wasn't there at the time. So Rob saw Fred. I think Rob was a bit irritated. He likes meetings to be set up. He's structured in his behavior. Who is this guy? And he isn't. He's just arrived. And he went through to the meeting room at the entrance to the office and met with Fred. And Fred said, I'm your next door neighbor. I work in the business next door. It's a shipping company, totally unrelated to what we do. And we didn't know him. But he said, I'm a Christian. And last night I had a dream. And I saw this massive warehouse right in a prominent position of the country, and your company logo was on that warehouse. We didn't believe in having our own warehouse. We outsourced warehousing at the time. We thought we were very bright. We would outsource warehousing, and yet, Fred, you bring in the story. And so we said, thank you for your message, but it's actually not relevant to us. Strangely enough, six months later, 12 months later, we had moved into a warehouse on the M1 highway, exactly between Johannesburg and Pretoria in the busiest highway in all of Africa on the M1 in Midrand. Big warehouse with this massive logo up on it. And again, God giving us a picture of where we were going. In fact, the day I signed, the day after I signed the lease on that building, Lynn Swart phoned me, Patrick. 
And Lynn has spoken into our lives many, time, many times over the years. She said, I just see this massive room. It's not a church room. It's not a home room. It is this big cavernous room. And it's got uprights in the middle holding up this very high roof. And the previous day when we signed the lease, I had gone and looked at a warehouse just like ours. Ours was being built. And we'd stood on the office section, which is high up and overlooks the whole warehouse. And I'd taken a photograph on my cell phone. I sent it to Lynn and I said, is this what you saw? She said, that's exactly what I saw. And I said, thank you for your word, Lynn. Again, confirmation of where we're going and where we're moving. I said, Lynn, I would have preferred if you'd gave me that message a day ago, but it was great confirmation at the time all the same. So learning number five, again, how kind is God to give us pictures of confirmation in the many steps along the way? Psalm 119, it's the song, longest psalm in the Bible, 119 verse 105, my word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so God doesn't shine a spotlight a thousand meters into the distance. He lights the path and he shows you the next step to take. And as long as we are open and we are hearing as to where that next step is, you know you step in the right direction rather than the wrong direction. And uh, he's so kind to do that. We had difficult relationships with some key people who made decisions. Directors in retail, they either liked you or they didn't. And uh, there have been some hairy meetings over the years. Meetings which can make you or break you. And where the relationships have been out of our control, we have literally prayed before these key meetings, Lord, please change the heart and mind of this person as we go into the meeting. In fact, Jesus, when we go into the meeting, Please come in with us and sit right next to us. Rob was in the service earlier. Not once has that prayer not been answered, where we have met with hard people. Retail is tough. We've met with hard people who are domineering and tough. And um, God has never ceased once to change the heart and mind of a person in a meeting such as that. We once came out of a Christmas trading period where a very large toy retailer had, uh, had new owners buy the business. And um, it's January, post-Christmas trade, and they summoned us to a meeting and said, look, uh, we are not going to pay you for what has been bought to date. And by the way, would you take back, rather than us pay you, please take, take back all the stock that is currently in our business. For us, that would have broken us as, as a business at that time. It was... We're not paying you two million rand. And by the way, in lieu of paying you two million rand, take the stock back. We prayed the exact same prayer in the meeting, um, went off to the meeting, and came back. They paid two million rand the next day. And on top of that, they gave us an order for another two million rand. On top of it, a complete turnaround from an extremely difficult situation that actually would have crippled us at the time. We have a magnificent team of people today, uh, a lovely team of people that run the business. They pray for the company. Every executive meeting opens in prayer, number one item on the agenda. Lord, just for our own good, open our minds, give us fresh ideas, show us where to tread. How can we be different? How can we use our resources for the best return? Monday, meeting, Monday meetings in the office are opened in prayer. Well, I have to be honest, they used to. Pre-COVID, that's how we behaved. 
we need to re-establish that model because COVID has turned everything upside down. Uh, in Durban, more than half our office works at home now. But we really need to re-establish praying on Monday mornings at the start of the week to say, Lord, please impact our week. So learning number six is simple. Business is ministry. Ministry is not necessarily being a pastor in a church. It is, obviously. But business is ministry. And uh, many people in our company have been influenced by the business that we are and the way people behave. And we come into contact. Rich, we probably come into contact with more new people every day than what you do. Each one of us as we go out into the marketplace. And what we do in business and how we behave and the ethics that we use is ministry in the marketplace. So um, an important learning. As a men's group meeting on Friday mornings at our home, we used to work through books. In fact, I think the men came to that meeting because Carol woke up early and cooked them bacon and eggs and there was fresh coffee. I think that's why they pitched up on a Friday. And then they had to put up um, with my study thereafter. But we had a great group of men and we worked through books written by people. And then after a few years, we started in Matthew and we read the Bible. We never read a book again after that. There's so much in the Bible, so much truth, that we just need to get a grasp of what's waiting there and work through it. And God blessed us every week by giving us deep spiritual truths in those meetings. So I'm going to talk about scriptures that, for me, I think are relevant in working in a job or running a business. And they're principles that come out of those early chapters in the Bible. Remember my mom giving me my first Bible, and uh, she gave it to me, and she said, don't start in Genesis. Start in Matthew and read from there. I think if I'd got through to Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers and so on, I wouldn't have read any further. She was clever. And so Matthew is a book that I love. And in Matthew 6, the heading in Matthew 6 is giving to the needy. And there's just wise advice there. In verse 6, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. I remember Peter Pollock talking to me about that. If you've received your reward in full on earth, then you've received your reward from men on earth. And before men, you have received your reward. That's not the way to be. You need to receive your reward in heaven. And I believe when a business contributes into something and gives, just do it. Don't put up a plaque that we did this or we gave that. It is just something that you do as a matter of course. Receive your reward in heaven. Don't receive your reward on earth. Prayer, when you pray, don't pray outwardly and receive your reward on earth. Go into a room. Lord, we need your help. Pray directly to your God in heaven who will hear your prayer and will act on it. And then Jesus goes on to say, this then is how you should pray. And maybe the best prayer that we all have learned through school, through our upbringing is our Father. I then want to talk about stress. And Matthew, has, Matthew 6 has great wisdom about stress. It's not called stress. It's not the heading in the Bible, but it's about stress. And I think the modern day 
business person is subject to more stress than at any time prior to this time. Your business follows you wherever you go. Your email's on your phone. There are messages from the people you work for, from your customers on your phone, 24 hours a day. It generates a huge amount of stress. And I want to tell you that my view on stress is it is the most useless emotion. You can spend hours worrying, and what does it do for you? It doesn't make you feel any better. It doesn't help you. And this was written 2,000 years ago. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Worrying is a useless emotion. And so... I think worry doesn't add. It definitely doesn't add hours to your life. I think it takes substantial hours away from your life. I've seen people who've lived under incredible stress for a long period of time, generally results in sickness. Worry is a useless emotion. It does nothing for you. So it goes on in verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But... Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's a great scripture to read, but when you're in the midst of stress and worry, maybe you need more than that. So my suggestion to you is the time that you set aside for worrying, rather take that time to pray. Pray through Scripture. Pray through the situation. That is a positive thing. It's not a negative emotion. Pray in that time. If that is difficult for you, find other people who will pray with you. Um, that person might not be able to influence the situation, but they will pray with you, and the God of heaven can influence your situation. So please, you can call me if you need someone to pray with you and just say, Lord, stand by me through incredible times of stress. Um, I think it's a good idea. The wise and foolish builders. I'm only going to read about the wise builder. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. So just like the miry clay, you set my feet upon the rock, here comes the rock again. Your business has to be built on a rock because the winds and the waves and the floods all come. The rate of exchange changes. The shipping costs go up. Uh, there are strikes. There are potholes around every corner, and there's a giant coming at you all the time. And so it's important that you're established on that rock and you're standing firmly on the rock, and you can go to God to say, how do we work in this instance? I love the book of James. James was Jesus' brother. And Ian Goulet used to call the book of James the businessman's book or the businessman's Bible. And um, when you open James, I think verse 1 is hello from James, the brother of Jesus, and verse 2 gets right into it. 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Perseverance and fighting giants and just grinding it out is an important part of being in business. And as you fight giants, so it develops perseverance, and perseverance will finish its work in you. It builds you up, and it makes you tougher. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Later in James Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Business is hard work and you need to put in hard work. It's great being anointed business. It's great for God to give you the direction in which to move. But the part that you need to do is the hard work. And God doesn't do that for you. So it's listening and doing. So there's a great lot of doing that has to be done. Fast forward to 18 years later to now, uh, the business has had a good measure of success. And today, instead of competing with that competitor that we had many years ago, we are now fighting it out with multinationals in the marketplace, international businesses. And in many instances, we are beating them at what they do. So the business has developed into a business which has had a measure of success. And 18 years of perseverance and being strong and courageous has enabled us to be a lot larger than that listed company that we had to fight with when we started out. And with success comes confidence. And if you're not careful, an element of pride. Look at what we've built. Look at our products. Look at our building. Look at our warehouse. Look at our trucks. And uh, learning seven is stay humble and keep your eyes on God as you experience a measure of success in his blessing. And um, a great scripture I like is Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3 speaks exactly to this. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep, keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Do not get a big head. Do not get wise in your own eyes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be full to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. With success, also need to talk about the issue of money. And um, Matthew has advice on that as well. 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one, love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so Ian used to tell a great story and being a minister and with various people in the congregation, some of them very successful, says he would go and sit on the patio or the porch of a wealthy person in their church who'd reached the end of their days and they would tell the story of how they've climbed the ladder of life and they climbed this ladder and got right to the top. Then they realized that the ladder was positioned and leaning against the wrong wall. And some of them could see it later in life and correct it, because you can accept God in an instant and be accepted into heaven. Some didn't. And so it's a great story of making sure that you're climbing the right ladder. It's fine to climb the ladder, but just make sure that it is positioned against the right wall. In fact, I once had a wealthy person say to me, we were talking about God, and the person said, you know what? I don't need God. I have everything I need. And when you have money, you're in a very dangerous place. We all often pray and say, Lord, we need money to make ends meet. That is a far more privileged position than the person who has too much money and just says, money meets all my needs. It's very dangerous, and this speaks to that. So I want to come into land and finish with the story of Joan Bennett. Joan Bennett is my dear mother, and on the 3rd of December 2020, uh, we were in Johannesburg to go up and see her uh, just before she passed away. A delightful lady who had a hard, uh, had hard young years. She grew up during the war and really had a hard life. She had every reason to be bitter about her lot in life, and yet I can honestly say I never heard my mom say a bad word about anyone. She loved the Lord with all her heart. She spoke to him daily, had complete faith in him. And it was a privilege to go up and say goodbye to mom as she lay on her deathbed. And uh, it just brings this whole essence of what's important. You come into life with nothing, and you leave this life with nothing. So what we chase and the ladder we climb and what we accumulate is irrelevant. Here is a life well-lived a person who knows exactly where they were going, and that is what is important. And it was an honor for Carol and I to sit there and pray a magnificent psalm over her and personalize it for her. And as I read it now with the words, I'm going to change it as I, as I go along. We were able to say, Joan, the Lord is your shepherd. You lack nothing. He makes you lie down in green pastures. Joan, he leads you beside quiet waters. He refreshes your soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though, Joan, you now walk through the darkest valley, you will fear no evil, for God is with you. His rod and staff will comfort you. God prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup overflows. Joan, surely goodness 
and love have followed you all the days of your life. And Joan, we let go of you now because you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I think that's what's important. It was almost the full circle of life and seeing one depart this world and move into God's kingdom. So mom loved God. She loved his people. Uh, someone came up to Jesus and said, what are the, what's the most important commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you think about it, the eight commandments that follow all hinge off those two. And Joan did that. And she lived a life focused on his kingdom. And that's what we are destined to be and do. I'd like to, I'm done. So I would like to pray for anyone. Two prayers, two people, two groups. The first is, if you do not know God, that man with a funny voice said, do you know of God or do you know God? If you do not know God and have not accepted him into your life, he died, Jesus died for you, he came down to earth, that we as people would be reconciled with God, paid the ultimate sacrifice. There's nothing you need to do. It's a free gift. just need to say, Lord, I accept you into my life. If you've never done that, please come and see me afterwards. I'd love to pray for you. That's the first group. The second group is if you're in a job or if you run a business and you need prayer for any aspect of what you do, um, you're looking for a solid foundation, you're looking for God to speak to you, or you just need someone to pray for you, given many examples of how God has worked in our lives, uh, Carol and I, and Steve, I would encourage you um, to also come forward if you don't mind and pray. People who have lived it, I would love to pray for you um, right here, right now. Thank you for listening to me, and God bless you guys. Lord, bless these people here this morning. I just thank you for each one. Thank you for the people who came in earlier and the people here now. I pray your blessing upon these people. I pray your blessing upon the businesses represented here, people who perform a role, who perform a function within a job. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that they will benefit from standing on your solid rock, be with, able to withstand the winds and the waves and the giants and the pressures that come along, and that, Lord, you will give them the unfair advantage. You will give them strategies of what to do, how to win, and uh, how to be dominant in what they do. And so, Lord, I just pray your special blessing upon these people. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>